Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today, it is time to look towards Carolina's game against Notre Dame. We have the bye week in the rearview mirror, and we are now faced with the Fighting Irish as Carolina looks to pick up their third win all-time against Notre Dame in 2020 three tries Uh, and this one feels like they have a really good opportunity to do so we're going to talk more about that here later on but we do have a couple of headlines that we want to get to you guys here to start the show a couple of ones from really just around the ACC around Carolina football one of them you can probably predict pretty easily here but we'll start with the more broader one here right out of the gate really I'm, I'm just I'm just wanting to I'm just wanting to rev my guy up here I'm just wanting to get him coming out hot, straight out of the gate. Get some fire in the room to begin, because that's right. As of yesterday afternoon, Tuesday afternoon, the ACC has officially announced that it is moving its headquarters to Charlotte. It will leave behind the headquarters that it has had since its beginning in Greensboro and moved to Charlotte. It's a predicted move. Uh, They were sort of going back and forth between a couple of locations, but I think we all knew that ultimately it was going to be Charlotte. They hold the ACC media days in Charlotte, and it seems like this was the move that was coming for a long time. I think a lot of us, based on the destinations that were on the table, probably agree with this, although there are a lot of us that will still say that, and and me included, that Greensboro is the location that it ultimately should be at to keep the historical purposes of the conference. But if it was going to move, I think Charlotte is probably the best compromise. Yeah, I mean, look, we knew this move was coming, and I I think what I got irritated the most about it was how like the ACC was pretty much like, hey, it's it's not set in stone, and we may go here, we may go there. We knew it was coming here, and... Everything about the move was about how this helps from a financial sense. 
And so I, I, I asked some questions. Here, and, oh no! And, and I, and I, I got here an comes, answer. Here comes stock. Here comes Wall Street, Josh. That just didn't make any sense. Uh oh. I'm like, they've been playing the ACC title game in Charlotte for how many years consecutively? Going on about a decade or so since it moved here permanently? Well, in the rotation, you mean? No, the ACC football game has been in here for oh, about, oh, a, yeah, 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 about yeah. a decade. My bad. I thought, you were, I thought you meant the ACC tournament. It's it's never been sold out. And, and a host here at the station told me that when Virginia Tech was here, it was sold out. And I said they must not have sold upper bowl tickets because it wasn't a field stadium. Yikes. And so... You you can't you can't fill out you can't sell out your ACC title game for football when the ACC tournament's here, which is the most historic venue, the most historic conference tournament in college basketball. Yep. When it's here, if Duke and Carolina aren't in the semis or the final, it's basically an afterthought. But you think moving here is gonna? And I know where they're putting it. It's in a it's in a you know, it's in a prime spot prime spot uptown, and all that. But none of that stuff matters if you're not getting the results on the field, on the on the playing surface. So, well, they, know, they're making I, they're making enough money off the TV deal, so that's really all. Are they matter. really though? They got the worst TV deal in college sports. I mean, they're making enough money to where the conference is still alive at this point. Um, I what you know, <laughs> really, I would say probably before COVID, you would refer to it as alive and thriving but now after covid i would say you probably just say there's a heartbeat um but i think i think ultimately the move is really just get into a bigger market for where everything is stationed make it easier for when you do host those events like acc media days like the acc championship and uh I, I, you would imagine this probably means that charlotte becomes the primary location for the ACC tournament. You 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 would think. I would say that Charlotte, and I think we both agree with this, the ACC tournament should be in Greensboro. As all, it should be part of the rotation. I think it should be featured as much as any other city. No it, doubt about it. It should be the permanent site, and I know they're going to keep it in the rotation. And yeah, look, that, we, that they will never have it as the permanent site. We, it just, we yeah. knew this was coming, um, and this was some. This is another reason why Jim Phillips got the gig was that he sold the ACC on a vision of of moving the headquarters here and being in a big you know corporate city and all that. I just wish like they if they'd have been just more upfront about it coming here all along, and maybe it wouldn't have. Like, cause they would always say, "Well, you know, we just we just never know." Like, no. Once you had the conversation, it was, it was over. And I just hope, and it's really, it's it's really up. It's up to you. It's it's up to me. It's it's up to all of us that work in the ACC media to keep Greensboro as an a, a, as an important historical figure. That's my challenge. Like and something that I, I've really taken on personally, well, uh, as the host of the Four Corners podcast, my job in radio is to be the guy that caretakes the ACC as we move into the realignment, the next phase of realignment, and stuff like that. We need to keep and remember just how important Greensboro is to this conference. That's where it originated yep. in a little small hotel. Like and people just like people don't they 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 don't care anymore. But it's those little things that I still that's, care that's all about. That's college. That's all a college sport. And yep. um, so I mean, it's it's up to you. And if you don't do a good enough job, I'll be here to tell you. Uh kind of like I do whenever you're on my podcast. Um, <laughs> but no, I think you're right. I mean, 
it's it's tough, man, because I understand why you want to be in a bigger market, but at the same time, yeah, I hate that you're leaving the pageantry behind. And I think it's just it's it's part of a bigger issue in college athletics that the pageantry of the sport, the rivalries. I mean, we just had a conversation today on the air about Bedlam going away. Yep. And it seems like people, I mean, nationally, they just, they don't care. Yeah. And that's, I get it. I get that hasn't been the closest rivalry in college football over the past however many, 20 years. Oklahoma's dominated it. But I don't know about you. I still, every year, I'm tuning in to watch that game. Usually, Oklahoma State at least comes in with a feeling that they can win that game. I mean, and, I've and had they relationships fail because of watching that game. That's your own problem. <laughs> I, I mean, I, it's just like, I, I think that they're leaving these great moments in these, these great elements of college sports behind. And I hope this isn't one of them. I really hope that this is not, we will not go back to Greensboro. Because the day that that happens, there are going to be a lot of fans that are legitimately angry. They won't, look, they won't be gone because of that, but it's it's going to be something that's going to stick in their craw for a while, and rightfully so. Speaking of things that will stick in the craw for a while, just a casual Tuesday night, no NFL football, no college football. We were watching a little baseball. If your baseball team is on, you, you had that going for you. And then Drake May decided, let me take a lighter and just spray some hair gel into it. Well, and on. light light social media on fire. The press conference wasn't at night, right? Well, yes. That was that was I believe it was an evening one because it had to be because he went on ACC PM live last night at five forty five. So it had to be an evening press conference. Okay. So he, I, I don't know why. I just thought it was our boy Ross Martin just doing the thing of like waiting until nighttime because he knew, hey, if I put it out at nighttime, it's going to get this reaction. I mean, look, it could very well have been, but I I did not. I thought somebody else would have live tweeted the actual quote if that was said earlier in the day. That's a fair argument. So I'm I'm not sure. That's that's actually a fair point. Maybe Ross did sit on that one for a little bit, but I mean, my my God, when it came out, <laughs> this thing took off. I mean, this not only was it here in North Carolina, this took the college football world by storm. Because Drake May is one of the more polarizing figures right now in all of college football because of how well he's played out of the gate. Well, he just decides to, I mean, just took a bus and ran over his team's biggest rival out of nowhere. Not playing them this week. We don't play them until the end of the season. Eight weeks away. And just took a shot. Um, I I thought the meme, I saw it a couple of times, the meme of... Major pain, just holding the grenade in his hand. I mean, just tr- that is exactly what he did. He was like, "Look, man, I'm just I, I'm going to throw something out there and let's watch the world burn." And here, th- th- just so you guys can hear the comments, these are the full comments from him. And about the middle of what we're going to play for you here is the comment that a lot of people are focusing on. But listen to the entire comments right here i didn't want to miss out in the home state um seeing sam being a hometown kid too um you know whether you know you, you want to admit it or not growing up in carolina you're going to be a carolina fan um 
And, you know, some people may say state, but really people go to state just can't get into Carolina. So, um, at the end of the day, you know, playing for Carolina's a lot of people um, from North Carolina want to do. So, I didn't want to miss out on that. And, obviously, the family history and stuff. So All right. So, there's QB1 with those comments. Well, now let's listen to Mac Brown. He came. He, he spoke to the media today, as he normally does, Monday, Wednesday of game weeks. And, of course, you knew he was going to be asked about this. This is what he had to say about the star quarterback's comments yesterday. I talked to him after practice today a little bit. He, he said, hey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be a distraction. I didn't mean to do anything wrong. I was just having fun. And I said, I know. You, you're, you're 18, 19 years old. Have fun. But always be very respectful of, of everybody, and, and especially your, your neighbors. All right, so – We've heard both sides here. First of all, the initial comments. Did you have an issue with the initial comments that he made? Did he lie? No, I tweeted that out. The no. And um It's also just like look, and we we say that, look, man, there are plenty of people that went to NC State that are smart people that have engineering degrees. It is, folks, it is trash talk. Yep. We have all heard it. We have all said it at some point. What? I said it earlier today. Like, I said on air, I got a man that got so mad at me for offending Trailer Park NC State fans. No lie, this dude was legitimately angry. But these are, it's it's jokes. Like, it's just, it's jabs. We've heard these for years, and this is a, this is a dude... His dad. This is what I don't think people understand. I saw multiple. It's in people. his blood to hate NC State. Like, dude, it's just part of it. His dad. His dad was a star quarterback there. And Most people are like, well, you know, only his brother went there. So, no, his dad was a star quarterback there. His mom was a star athlete. I forget which sport she played. She was a star athlete there, and his brother won a national championship there. I mean, do you? Star athlete? Well, and, I mean, he was in his time. Like, come on, people. So, and and this really stuck out to me today. Our uh, our dear friend Colin Hoggard said that when when Roy Williams returned to Carolina, he kind of trained us like respectfully hate Duke. Yep, but passionately hate stay with every bone in your body. Roy, will I don't. I got to tell you, I have no affiliation with Roy. I know Roy Williams was smiling seeing those comments and, on that and, time. And line. so like and also state fans. First off, they're still going on. But for a near decade, yep. we had to listen to you run your mouth about the NCAA investigation. No, 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 no. And stop no, stop right there. This is not that's not the problem. I don't care. I'm a fan. I have seen multiple state fans Go after recruits, yep. current players, whatever, for cheating. Multiple times. It's it's over and over again. I've seen other I've seen former players say stuff like that and, from NC State that have said stuff like that. And and so for that and look, for a long time, we really couldn't say anything because we were waiting on the answers from the NCAA. We got the answers and y'all and state fans didn't like it. Now our guys are starting are starting to to chomp back a little bit to bite back, and as much as we talk about 
especially on the basketball side of things, it isn't a rivalry. But State wants it to be a rivalry because they need someone to, to at least make them relevant, and that, that has to be us. This is good. This is what makes college sports great. Well, and here's the other thing. You, for, you have to separate basketball and football. Yes, in basketball, is it a rivalry? Hell no, it's not. <laughs> Why is it not? Because look at the record that Roy Williams had against them. That's not a rivalry. And Hubert Davis. That's a yearly ass whooping. Well, I mean, but but you Hubert's or Hubert's early. So like one thousand parent undefeated, never lost. I mean, I get that, but I'm saying I think it's possible that that carries over, especially if they keep Kevin Keats in place. <laughs> Jesus Christ! But I, I, but I, like, I just I, I don't get it, and you know. Guys, do you not realize people are like, well, does he really know anybody that went to NC State? Guys, he played in when he was in high school, he played with a kid named Porter Rooks, who is currently on NC State's roster. He he knows people that go to NC State. It was it was a joke. I you know, here's my thing. Was it executed perfectly? I thought it was. I laughed. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe. I I'm, think maybe you, maybe you probably should have chuckled a little bit. Maybe through and I'm kidding. I will say this. We had Connor O'Gara on from Saturday Down South earlier today. And he said, I bet w- what, that, what that comment was, was a comment where immediately after he said it in his brain he probably said oh probably shouldn't have said that well, like like and we've all been there like, we've like all my, been there my Come thing on. is this if that was a auburn or an alabama player that said that about the other one it would have oh this is a great rivalry ohio state michigan well they would have been, oh this is why this is but because it's a retro freshman quarterback at a you know, a very not-so-successful football program making a comment against another very not-so-successful football program, all of a sudden we're having to issue apologies? It would have been different uh, if he, had he personally, like, attacked, an, you know, an individual or anything like that. He just talked about the greater NC State fan base. And qu- look, question. I've been alive for 26 years. Question. Did we not have a quarterback in the ACC earlier this season before the first game of the year literally go up a school by the way that he had just transferred to go up and say F West Virginia yeah where, I mean where was the outrage over that but this you know why though because West Virginia fans are not soft as baby poop like these people I'm telling you I have never seen a softer fan base that can dish out insults but the minute that it comes back on them sensitivity and look it's not even the players David Thompson who works for the News and Observer in Raleigh asked Peyton Wilson about that quote today and Peyton Wilson pretty much said I got no problem with it I hear comments like that all the time like I, I just it does not make any sense to me how this is blown out of proportion. Do I think that he was smart in making those comments? Probably not. Probably not smart to give them a little bit more bulletin board material. But here's my thing, man. You said it. It's a guy that I think has the confidence. Oh, go back it up. Because yeah. if you back it up, we won't hear about this. It, it, it don't make a damn. So as long I mean, as on Black Friday he goes out there. And he drags their ass up and down the field for 60 minutes, and, and he backs up the talk. Well, and here's the other thing. 
if for some reason Carolina doesn't win that game, which isn't going to happen, we already know they're going to win that game, <laughs> then you, you do realize that, hey, you turn around, you play them next year. Yep. Like, it's not, this isn't the end of the ride. This isn't the end-all, be-all now. Like, I just, th- these people that are freaking out about this quote, like, seriously, man, it's it's really not that big of a deal. You know, when I saw it, did I say to myself, ah, oh, you probably shouldn't have said that. Yeah, of course. But at the same time, I'm like, look, man, he threw it out there. And it's a little bit of rivalry trash talk. So, I mean... It's just people are blowing this. The fact that, I will say this, the fact that I went on ESPN this morning and this was a one of the top headlines of the day in sports, I'm like, dude, do we seriously not have anything else that we can talk about in sports? That this is that big of a headline? Oh, my God. Um, all right, let's turn on the field really quickly here. Injury updates. Uh, Carolina, these were released on Monday, updated today. Miles Murphy, uh, the defensive tackle who got in, who got banged up second half against Georgia State. Uh, Spencer Rollin, who missed the game against Georgia State, although there is some indication that when he comes back, he may be taking some snaps at guard. So they, they liked what they saw from William Barnes at tackle, so keep an eye on that. And then Don Chapman. Um, who Mac Brown addressed separately in his press conference um, on Monday is all three of those guys will be active. Uh, Murphy, uh, I think that was one that was just kind of banged up. They wanted to make sure for the rest of the game they thought they had enough horses to be able to get through that. Ultimately, they did. Uh, Spencer Rollins, after sitting out a week, I think this works perfect. And look, Carolina is going to need everybody they can have up front against that defensive line that we're going to talk about here in a minute from Notre Dame. And Don Chapman, uh, pretty much Mac Brown said this. He has been with the team. He's remained with the team. Um, he did not travel to Atlanta. They were pretty much still sort of getting a feel of the situation. But what they've discovered over uh, these past two weeks, they feel like it is appropriate to keep him on the team at this time. And if they learn any information that sort of tells them otherwise – then they will make the decision then to potentially remove him from the team if that is in fact necessary. Um, so he will be not only tra- he will be uh, not traveling. He will not only be uh, a part of the team on the sideline, but he will be active for this week. Now, who knows how much he actually plays? He only played one snap against App State, so we'll have to wait and see on that one. Meanwhile, Josh Downs. Antoine Green and Caleb Hood all are being monitored, but all three have practiced so far this week. So it seems pretty positive. Mac Brown seemed pretty positive about those three guys. Uh, Of course, Josh Downs injured in the first game of the season, got the uh, banged up knee, which I think we can officially call a knee sprain at this point, it seems to be. Um, Caleb Hood, hamstring that he suffered against App State. The scary part about that is that that is the injury that sort of kept him out early in fall camp. So that's a re-aggravation, one that they're going to have to kind of manage, I think, throughout the remainder of the season with him. And Antoine Green, of course, this was the timeline that we heard for him at the earliest, and it looks like he has hit that. Mac Brown said it a couple of times when he was updating his injury status over the last couple of weeks, that he was hitting all those, those milestones. He was looking really, really good coming off of that collarbone injury. He looks ready to go. 
Jaquarius Conley, the safety for Carolina, he is still not practicing as of right now. I don't believe I did not see anything yet uh, for that Mac Brown updated that. He did say something about that on Monday, um, but he did not say anything about that today. So as of right now, it is assumed that Jaquarius Conley right now still not practicing just yet, coming back from that lower leg injury that he suffered late last year against Wofford. Well, let's turn our attention to the game against Notre Dame. Carolina coming into the game 3-0 and seeking their first 4-0 start since 1997. Carolina uh, has not had, uh, you know, I mean, they came close. We knew they had an an opportunity to start 4-0 in the 2020 season. Um, And of course, they did it. They had the same opportunity back in 2011. But Carolina hasn't had a ton of opportunities to start a season 4-0. This is one that I think a lot of people feel confident in that Carolina has a real shot in this game. They are favored in Vegas by one and a half as well against the Irish. But Carolina, as I mentioned, looking for just their third win in 23 matchups against the Fighting Irish. Carolina's only wins in the series, a 12 to 7 win in 1960. And of course, the win over the Irish back in 2008 in Keenan Stadium, the Cam Sexton game. So, uh, you know, this this is definitely a hill that Carolina has had trouble climbing before. They're hoping this one will be a little bit different. The good news is, is that the last two years, Carolina has played Notre Dame and they've had some decent success against them. They've been in both games, but they just haven't been able to pull it out. Of course, they lost last year's game 44-34 in South Bend. A shootout. Carolina had their opportunities, but problems converting in the red zone pretty much hurt their chances. And then, of course, as everybody will remember, Kyron Williams with the huge run. Uh, that pretty much was the backbreaker in that game. Meanwhile, back in 2020, Carolina, that game was played in Keenan Stadium. This environment will be much different. Remember, that was during COVID times. I'm trying to think, was that that was late enough in the season where there were some fans, but it was very, very limited. Um, Carolina lost 31-17, but remember, that was a one-possession game the majority of the way. Carolina had an opportunity, and then late in the game, Notre Dame adds the touchdown to pull away by 14. Meanwhile, let's take a look at all you need to know about Notre Dame presented by Raycon Wireless Earbuds. This is a team that lost the first two games of the season. Two very, very different games, uh, by the way. One, a loss to Ohio State, a team that I think a lot of people kind of have up there as one of the best teams in the entire country. And that game was on the road as well. They go in there and give them a heck of a fight. But then they turn around at home and fall to the Marshall Thundering Herd in what was just a shocker. A lot of people uh, around the Notre Dame universe kind of claiming that that was one of the worst losses in program history. I think it just kind of caught everybody off guard. Doesn't help that Marshall then proceeded to go on the road and lose this past weekend to Bowling Green. That certainly uh, doesn't seem to do much justice except for maybe our our guy Nick Wilson, our former host here, uh, who went to Bowling Green. But... um, they, they then rebounded against Cal. I mean, would you say that? I mean, look, Cal was a dropped Hail Mary away from sending that game to overtime. A nail-biter, another ugly game at home, uh, 24-17 over Cal. And so that leads us to uh, where they are right now. In terms of what you have to watch for them on the offensive side of the ball, Drew Pine, of course, will be their starting quarterback, getting his third career start uh, for the Fighting Irish. And 
you know, the, the game last week, not too bad against Cal, but not great. 17 of 23, 150 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Not a guy that's really going to be able to drive the football down the field all that much. Not uh, quite the type of quarterback that Carolina faced a year ago uh, when they were facing Ian Book. But... I, I, you know, still a guy that I think Carolina's got to be prepared for. Uh, the running game, Chris Tyree and uh, Audric Estime. Uh, so far, they're leading rushers this season. Not bad, but still a group that's only averaging 117.7 rushing yards per game in the first three games of the year. And remember that early on in the season, Tyler Buckner was a big part of what they did in the ground game. So uh, that that is an area that uh, last year extremely strong in one of the best running backs in the entire country this year a little bit different for him so uh, hopefully Carolina can take advantage of that Uh, in terms of their receiving threats Carolina of course they're used to dealing with this guy now Michael Mayer he's you know had some pretty decent success against Carolina in the first two matchups of his career now a junior he'll be back as well and he's off to a pretty solid start to the season 15 receptions 145 yards two touchdowns and also Lorenzo Styles, a name to know on the outside 11 catches so far this year averaging 13.8 yards per completion offensive line is going to be the strength of this unit and it shouldn't shock anybody they return four starters from a year ago led by Jarrett Patterson uh the the right guard um as well as Blake Fisher Joe Alt at tackle and Josh Lugg also back in the middle Zeke Corral is the center he is the only new piece down there and he is a guy that is a senior so he has been around for a while this is nothing new for him meanwhile on the defensive side of the ball it is a group that is uh, allowing just 184 yards passing per game they have struggled a little bit with some of the running attacks that they have faced so far this year, allowing 167.7 rushing yards per game. Uh, This defensive front will definitely be a test for Carolina's offensive line, easily the most talented group that they've faced so far this year. Isaiah Foskey, that's a name that you probably should remember from last year. He is back, yet another extremely talented edge rusher that Carolina has to face. They've faced a few of them so far out of the gate this season. Uh, Both the Adamiola brothers are back. Justin and Jason, uh, both off to solid starts this season, and a new guy that's kind of emerged up there, Howard Cross the third, the son of the former Giants linebacker. He actually leads the team in tackles out of the defensive tackle spot with 21 total tackles, so definitely a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, on the back end, some really good talent in the secondary. DJ Brown off to a really solid start, and they've got Cam Hart and Tyreek Bracey uh, that are veterans on the outside. And at linebacker, pretty much the most notable part of the linebacking core. Pretty talented group, pretty veteran group, but they will be without J.D. Bertrand, who led them in tackles a year ago. He will miss the first half of the game after his targeting ejection on the final drive against uh, Cal. Special teams-wise, really solid unit overall. This is a group that uh, has always been pretty solid on the special teams side of things, so uh, that will be a group that Carolina will have to be prepared for. That is your look at Notre Dame, presented by Raycon Wireless Earbuds. Guys, I've been telling you about these so far throughout the season. I will not need them this weekend. We will actually be in attendance for this game, but when Carolina then has to play against 
Virginia Tech, I will need him once again because I will be doing uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff for Charlotte FC. So I will have to multitask again. And the Raycom wireless earbuds are absolutely perfect for that. I listen to games on them. I listen to other podcasts on them. All sorts of great stuff that you can listen to with these headphones. And look, it's been great so far for me listening to these games. One one reason that it has been great is that, look, these – earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips and the perfect inner fit, these earbuds are so comfortable. And guess what, guys? They will not budge. Trust me, I've had plenty of tests on them uh, with you know trying to multitask wearing the earphone with the headphones, and they've never moved out of my ears. I haven't had to worry about having to pick one up off the floor or anything like that. They're snug in there. That's exactly what you want. They also give you eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life, so you don't have to worry about these things dying on you. I put it in before the game, and I leave it in there, and I never have to worry that, hey, I'm going to have to charge these up in the middle of the game or whatever. Never have to worry about that. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. Look, we all know, man, these these headphones out there, especially the wireless ones, the AirPods, all that stuff, they're extremely expensive. Go to Raycon. Uh, buy Raycon.com. Check it out. These are tremendous. The prices are awesome. And guess what, guys? They have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Some of my favorite features that they have as well, the three customizable sound profiles. So if you want to listen to games on one level, to music on another level, and let's say those podcasts on a different level, you can set it to where all three of those have their own sound pro- profiles. So whenever you listen to those, you can set it up to that perfect volume right there with the headphones. It's tremendous. Also, you've got the earbud tap functions. That's really for the music, for the podcast. It'll fast forward. It'll go to those next episodes. All that great stuff. Make sure that you guys are checking that out. Go to buyraycon.com today and use the promo code TPPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's code TPPN15 and buy at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com, code TPPN15. All right, let's take a look at the Tar Heel storylines for this game. And I think really the biggest one out of the gate is Drake May off to a tremendous start to the season. No doubt about it. A guy that's I've seen on a couple of early Heisman lists for how successful he has been out of the gate. There is no doubt that this is where things start to turn up in terms of difficulty for Drake May. This is easily his biggest test of the season, but at the same time, he will be giving Notre Dame arguably their biggest test of the season, mainly because of the fact that you didn't have Jackson Smith and Jigba for the entire game uh, at Ohio State. I think that hurt that offense there. Carolina could be a full go in this one with an extremely talented quarterback. This could provide some fireworks in this one for sure. Yeah, this is a game that, uh, as I've been kind of talking all week, for Drake May, if he comes out and he plays well and he leads Carolina to a victory, his hype will go through the roof. Because this is, even though it's it's a 1-2 and unranked Notre Dame team, it's still the biggest brand, the biggest name Carolina has and will play this entire season. This is a a school that Carolina uh, hasn't beaten. And over a decade, 
and they've been close, and then sometimes they haven't been quite as close. So we're going to learn a lot about them because this is the best defense that Carolina has uh, has seen so far, um, and it, it will be one of the top defenses we'll see. Virginia Tech's also got a good defense. State does as well. So, um, and, and as for for Notre Dame's defense, this being a challenge, it is because. You know, Drake may – I'm not going to say he's as good as C.J. Stroud because Stroud's been, you know, maybe the best quarterback in the country to start the season. But Carolina does have more weapons from top to bottom than that Ohio State offense does. Carolina is deeper with their skill position guys, and they use so many different guys with their with their wide receivers, their tight ends, and even their running backs. So it, it is going to be a challenge, and I think that's going to be a, a really fun thing to watch. I think this is going to be really a game to see – how much freedom Phil Longo gives Drake May at the line of scrimmage, and how he processes what he sees because you're going to see a defense out there that runs a lot of NFL-S type of schemes, and they've got the speed, the physicality and stuff to make it for a very long day if you let them. You know what? That's a good point, too, though, with Phil Longo. He has called three tremendous games out of the gate so far this season, and we haven't seen a lot of that. I'll tell you what, whenever Phil Longo has a call people disagree with, they are all over social media. Yep. I don't see much praise for Phil Longo calling three amazing games out of the gate so far this season for Carolina, but this is a test for him. What can you do in a game where, I mean, look, you would imagine this is probably the most pressure that Drake May will face. Um, this is a game where you might not be able to run the ball great. And I mean, look, you've had moments where I mean, you didn't run it great really the first three-and-a-half quarters of the game against Georgia State. But this is going to be a different type of challenge. And let's see what type of game plan Phil Longo comes out for in this game. Also, remember, that I mentioned it earlier, last year's game in South Bend, this team didn't execute in the red zone as well as people probably hoped they could. That's another thing. How does he adjust to what he saw last year and be able to take this to another level? You mentioned the skill position players, and I think you're that that's one of the things. I, a lot of people probably heard that and said, dude, you really think this is a bigger test than Ohio State? Remember, that was also the first game of the year for Ohio State. You're always ironing something out with some of the newer guys that you have in there. And as I mentioned, their top receiver, like our top receiver in that first game, did go out with an injury. So uh, overall, especially if, though, if, if Josh Downs plays and Antoine Green plays, this will be a huge test for Notre Dame's defense. And look, these these skill position players, they've been tremendous so far. And having those guys back that I just referenced, Caleb Hood back as well, it has a, we, we have a chance to see you know, just how lethal this offense can potentially be, especially because these guys that are coming back off of injury too, this is the freshest they're going to be all season. Yeah, and look, Carolina, they, they've got the work cut out for them. It's like when you're trying to work somebody back into like a basketball rotation and your bench guys really stepped up. You don't want to limit the, the role that Kobe Paysauer is going to play on Saturday or you know even um, J.J. Jones at times, even D.J. Jones in the running back room. He made some big plays at App State, but you, you need to have Josh Downs on the field. You need to have Antoine Green on the field. I think you have Caleb Hood on the field. What it should allow Carolina to do, though, is rotate guys a lot more often and there be that same level of trust that no matter 
who was on the field, the offense is still going to execute because the last two times you were on the field, the offense did, did execute in, in a situation where you were without your best skill players. So I know Mac Brown did juggle how they're going to do that, but you know that's why they get paid millions of dollars is to make those kind of tough decisions. But, you know, needless to say, Carolina needs their full complement of guys to go out there and make plays because I know Notre Dame is one and two. This is still going to be a, a, a challenge for Carolina, and they'll need everybody on the field that can make plays for them on the field for 60 minutes on Saturday. Yeah, I think Notre Dame may know that they're 1-2, and two, and I think they might be just a slight bit motivated by that as well. I, I know their offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, is. So. I mean, that's the – yeah, he really is. He really is. He uh, By the way, speaking of people that had to apologize, Tommy Reese, check him off. He had to apologize this week as well uh, for his uh, – he said – he said the words that he used, he was apologizing for. Not that he was yelling at his quarterback, Drew well, Pine, as well, a motivational guy. Can can we actually talk about that? Sure. I, sure. I, I, maybe I'm not going to try to condone kids getting cussed at. Because now Tommy Reese was, he called him, he was using the F word a lot. But I get, I but get it. He wasn't really calling him names, I, though. He was kind of just motivated. Look, I got cussed at in high school, dude. I heard that. I heard that on on high school sidelines. I I used to yell plenty of stuff on high school sidelines. But you weren't a coach, though. You were. I wasn't. But I mean, like, which is that? That's a different issue. The water boys should not be cussing. I was the motivational guy. All but, right. Uh, like like the the amount of people, and I'm not even talking about like just the local people, the national media. Yeah. That just. Oh, that was dude. That was the that was the main focus. People weren't even really focused on the fact that Notre Dame could lose again. They were replaying the video over and over again to try to figure out what exactly he was saying, like why how, he was so mad. I, I mean, why as a generation are we so soft to kids being coached hard? Okay, I well, th- okay, because I would have a I would have a problem if I and look, Drew Pine was he didn't play bad on Saturday. Didn't play, didn't play great either. You know, he did what he I had mean, to do to win. Yeah. But imagine your kids in that situation at Notre Dame, and he ain't playing well. I don't want the coaches over there happy-go-lucky. I, w- I, want, I want my kids to coach hard. Well, I or mean, I want my kids to be coach hard, and guess what? They will because I will be their coach. Well, I, there's also it's, – it's, it's just a thing, man. And, and, and look, we'll end it after this because we don't want to get too deep into this because this is this is a Toriel podcast it's not a general college I wish my coaches would I wish our coaches would coach our kids like that (sighs) maybe wouldn't have blown a lead at NC State last year I mean I I, look man I I mean there's (laughs) there's there's there is value to being being harsh on on some players yeah some guys respond to that I mean I know I did I mean that's the thing there were some guys that look you had to I mean, I saw it. I saw it firsthand. There were kids that I went to high school with that, if the coaches just went up and tried to explain stuff to them, it's all right, whatever. But if you yelled at them, especially in a game when they messed up, it would get home. I mean, it's it's just some guys like to be coached a certain way. Some guys respond to that. Others don't. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, I just I don't know. Maybe that's a fee- that's a thing with Tommy Reese. Also, the thing to remember with Tommy Reese is remember who Tommy Reese's head coach was when he was there. <laughs> remember who he coached under these last few years. You learn those types of things. And look, guess what? If they were winning, would anybody be saying that? Nope. Nobody says that about Nick Saban when Nick Saban's being a hard ass. And nobody says that about our guys. When like our, if our coaches are coaching like that and you're winning, nobody's going to say anything. Can I say one final thing? 
Uh, I've, Here we I've, go. I've forgotten to, le- to leave this out, and it's really amazing that I've left this out. Uh, Before I scored 35 points on one leg, I was getting I was getting slandered, and the worst part was that it was in a church. It was in a dream. Event. It was in a dream. No, because you're a liar. I, when I went down and collapsed, my dad asked me, "Why the hell are you laying on the floor? Get your ass up and run!" And then I would go on to score 35 you know, points. You know what? You know what? You just said something right there. You said when I collapsed. <laughs> is this from? Is this just the story of the music video of Eminem's "Till I Collapse"? No, that's a whole different. That's a whole different I, story. Mm, mm, I don't know. I don't so I'm just saying. Either way, I, you know, look, w- w- without that moment, would I have done what I did? No. And would a Drew Pine done what he did on Saturday without Tommy Reese? I, I, I just wish we got at a point where we didn't have to apologize for everything. I mean, something like that, man. That happens in every game. It's just they put him on camera. By, I mean, how does he know that he's on camera? Like, you have those in there, but, like, the other thing is, how long did they leave the camera on the 22 dude? seconds. Like, that's insane, <laughs> man. Like, we don't leave it on anybody else for that. So, it's just, that is what it is. I'm not worried about that. Look, we are not a Notre Dame podcast. I don't care. I hope that Tommy Reese gets that frustrated again at his quarterback on Saturday because Carolina is making him that frustrated um but look I mean one of the keys to Carolina winning this game uh, is going to be that offensive line and look it's a group that's healthy um but they are going to learn a lot about themselves when they take the field on Saturday they have performed for the most part solid I I will say they had they've had their their lapses but this is this I think will really prove how strong this unit is for the rest of the season. Well, the the biggest thing for Carolina the last two years against Notre Dame is that they could play with them for two quarters. Yep. Two and a half, three quarters. But Notre Dame's defensive line was wearing down our offensive line, and by the fourth quarter, we didn't have a chance to run our offense. And you kind of saw that happen at Georgia State where there was a part of the game where their defensive line really took over the game and it impacted our offense. So you were without Spencer Rollin and you were working through some things and that that was going to happen at some point where that offense was going to hit a wall. But if Carolina doesn't win the line, and I know it's so cliche, but if they don't win the line of scrimmage for 60 minutes, I don't know if they win Saturday because Notre Dame is still that good up front. Yep. And so we're, we are going to learn a whole lot. I think the good thing is for for Carolina, though, we've talked about this, is that Drake May's ability to elude pressure is better than Sam's. And I talked a lot about this a lot when Sam was here, where Sam didn't always anticipate the throws he had to make or the plays he needed to make. Drake May does. So sometimes he will anticipate. He knows where the pressure is coming before it actually shows up. He knows where the ball needs to go. And even though it's a it's a half second or just a second, at football that's a lot of time, and that's why you've seen him make the quarterback position look so easy through through his first three weeks. He'll have to be on top of his game on Saturday. I mean, goes through his progressions quicker, makes the decisions quicker. I mean, that's that's just things that we've noticed about him, and I think things that you probably should have, you know, we probably could have noticed about him in high school. Um, if you compared the two, I mean, that's just it, it is what it is. I'm not saying that 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 Sam's a bad quarterback. I mean, look, he's a dude that. I mean, we saw it in the NFL preseason, and I get it's preseason, but he looked the part of an NFL quarterback, and he'll get there. 
He's a very smart player. But there's certain things that you just cannot teach. And, yeah, we're, we're going to learn a lot. We, I, we talked about Drake earlier, but I think that's the thing. We're going to learn a lot about both of those units on Saturday. And, look, here's the thing. You go over to the other side of the ball, not even specifying on a specific group. This is the defense's prove-it game. This is an offense right now in Notre Dame that is struggling beyond belief. It is one of the, I mean, right now, it is one of the most discombobulated offenses in all of college football. And Carolina's got a chance to sort of prove to people that, look, we can be even even just an average defense. I've heard that. We've been talking about that around the office here the last couple of days. That if this group could get to average, I mean, this offense is just that good that this team could compete and probably win the ACC Coastal. This is your chance to show people that, hey, we've got something there. It's just about putting it together. Because if you struggle in this game, I mean, I'm not saying that you, at, at that point, you're four games into the year. You probably are what you are. I'm not saying it's over, but you are what you are. If they give up more than 24 points on Saturday, there's no hope that this defense becomes anything decent this year. This offense is not good. And it's surprising because they are good up front. Mm-hmm. Um they do have a very good running back in Chris Tyree. You've got maybe the best tight end in, in college football in Michael Mayer. But Drew Pine is really coming off the pine to try to save your season, and he could barely beat Cal at home. I mean, look, I, I, I said it earlier, though. You talked about Chris Tyree, and there's talent there. Um, Audric Estime, a guy that runs hard. They're they're only averaging 117 rushing and, yards a game, man. That's that they're not running the ball well either. So and and, and, and that just furthers my point. We know Notre Dame is going to want to run the ball, mm-hmm. play field position, control the clock, all those things. That's who they are. That's not just because they're playing Carolina. That's their image under Marcus Freeman. And if they can come in here and they can control the game and they can run the ball and they can do those things. That's going to be pretty damning for Gene Chizik's defense because this should be a game where you don't need to score 40 to win. You should be able to win this game scoring 27, 28 points. If you can't, we as a collective Tar Heel community need to come to the conclusion that every game we'll have to go in understanding if we don't score 40 – we're 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 not winning. I mean, look, the offense. I think at, at this point so far, you you still got to take that mindset into into Saturday. <laughs> like, no, I'm serious. You 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 have to take the mindset. And first of all, they should be motivated. You turn the ball over three times against Georgia State. You you should be motivated to prove yourself, anyways. But until proven otherwise, the mindset in that offensive room should be. Man, this defense, they ain't they they have not shown us anything. Yep. We have to it is on us to carry this team. So, I mean, that's just that's just what it is. And I think after 3 games, we kind of know that. Look, they're coming out of the bye week. And Mac Brown said that look, there were a lot of things that they focused on in the bye week trying to get that defense moving. But it's no guarantee. Nope. So I think until you see it, this offense need to be needs to be prepared with that mindset.
But this defense need, needs to be prepared with the mindset of, hey, man, people are disrespecting us. As they should. You know, we let up 61. But they think that's that, that that is who we are. We need to show them that that is not who we are and that we have talent on this group and that we can put it together and that we can. And I said it. I said it the other day on the podcast. And, you know, I think there were some people that, would probably, or, or, or no, I said it with Isaac Shade. That's what it was. I said it with Isaac Shade on the Locked On Tariels podcast that I, I think this group needs to realize, especially that defensive line, you need to realize that your your position coach right now is on the hot seat. If you do not start showing results, he will probably be fired at the end of the season. As he should. So you need to start showing something. The talent, it's there. I don't care what anybody says. Well, you know, maybe the talent is just overrated. Okay, yeah, there probably is, are some guys that are a little bit overrated. There but are. But there is no way on God's green earth that every single defensive player on that group is overrated. It just It's impossible. In, in recruiting, we've, it, we've seen it over the years. When you recruit at that type of level, the results come. They are there. Every other team, I mean, you, I, I I referenced it a couple of weeks ago. 24-7 Sports put out their most talented rosters just based on the star ratings of guys coming out of high school. Carolina was 16th, and that involves the defensive side of the football. They don't just keep that out of it. There is talent here. It's time to start showing it. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. Uh, we'll let you hear uh, this week's ad from DraftKings uh, along with a couple other things, and then when we come back, It's time for those keys and the predictions for the game against Notre Dame. You don't want to miss it. Stick around here on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast back right after this. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings Step It Up Same Game Parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with bigger payouts than ever. Why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. There are plenty of ways to find out everything that you need to know about Tar Heel football and basketball. Just go to Facebook, search at Heel Tough Blog, and find the Heel Tough Blog Facebook page and like it. When you do everything, the articles, the podcast, all in one central location on your timeline. Not a big Facebook user? Head over to Twitter. At Heel Tough Blog on Twitter, make sure you give it a follow, and you can follow the personal pages of our talents here at the Heel Tough Blog, at HTB Anthony for Anthony Pagnata, myself at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe, and at Hack Zubber two for our recruiting analyst Zach Hubbard. 
Hey guys, welcome back in Heeltop Blog Podcast. Anthony Pagnata, Josh Marlowe with you. And first of all, before we get into the keys to the game and the predictions, we got to say happy birthday to our guy here, Josh Marlowe. This this dude, this moron, by the way. It, it took you this long. This moron has been celebrating the entire week. That's we, right. We need to know. Go ahead, hit us up at Heel Tough Blog on Twitter, at HTB Anthony, at HTB underscore Josh. I would prefer that you tag both me and Josh in this. I need to know is it okay for a grown man of now going to be 26 years old to celebrate his own birthday? Week sent out the tweet on Monday. That's right to celebrate his own birthday week. We need a clarification as to whether or not this is a old man violation. I don't really. It's it's a violation of something. Look, I just come to the conclusion that if nobody's going to celebrate me, uh, literally just said happy birthday to, but whatever. Sure. Then. Then I'm gonna celebrate me for a whole week. And, I gotta tell you, I I I'm and nobody dude, can celebrate me better than me. I gotta tell you, I'm the dude. I don't say anything when it's my birthday. At the like, I I don't. I come in, I do my show, whatever. People, if people realize that it's my birthday, great. If they don't, I mean, it's not a big like. What is? I gotta tell you, what is to celebrate at this point? Like you're past eighteen. Which, by the way, 18, most overrated birthday. What, oh, what, do, yeah. you, what do you get at 18? Unless you're a smoker. You don't, you, like, you, right to go, go serve, get cigarettes? Right to go serve this country, but I don't know if this country's worth serving anymore. Okay. Oh, my God. All right. All right. That's just, we're going to cut that out because that'll <laughs> just start too many political debates. Um, I mean, like, yeah, what do you, I mean, you get to go buy cigarettes? Like, yeah, I mean, there's get no. Get a passport? Ah, yeah, that's not really. You want to go international? Like, yeah, like, that, I, like, I don't know. Twenty first, twenty first is legit. But once you get past that, like, yeah, they, I mean, they all suck. I, I don't look, know, man. You know, I was just, I was feeling groovy, and uh, oh my, I okay, I've had enough now. You're twenty six, and that are you twenty six or sixty six? With yeah. that reference, groovy. Come on, you know, I just, Come you on. know, I'm, 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 ha- I'm having, a, I'm having a fun week. Um, you know, family's taking me out on Friday. Gonna go eat a nice dinner. Um, don't know what I'm doing Saturday. Gotta work Sunday. Don't know what you're doing Saturday. Okay. So, well, I hate to break it to you. We're going to the game. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but no, I, I I do appreciate you saying happy birthday. And what's really funny is I got my first happy birthday text today. Um, from a. It has to be a family member that I don't know. Oh my god! Wait a second. Oh, that's wow. Like I, it, I got a happy birthday, bud. I just replied back, thank you. Don't know who happy it is. Birthday, bud. I just, okay. So happy birthday, bud. It, it's gotta, it's gotta be a male, right? I don't think a female would call you bud. I think that would be a sweetie, or. I don't. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's that's strange. Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, look, the the birthday wishes are already coming. So uh, I'll hey, take here's here's the thing. 
So it is it is the 21st. Your birthday is on Saturday. That is wow. Okay. That that by the way th- this is the new thing of the new generation by the way that you have to be the first person in on the birthday. This does not count. 3 days ahead of yeah. the birthday. Oh, that yeah, come no, on. No. That doesn't count. That doesn't um, count. But seriously, happy birthday, man. Also, uh, have to shout out my mom. Yeah. Happy birthday as well. Same day. Um, so that's really cool. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to go up to the game. We're going to see the game up there. And then uh, I'm going to come back here and celebrate with her. So it's always a cool day every single year. And, um, you know, glad to have you on the podcast, bud. And it's now, you know, now two 26-year-olds on here. And guess what? Even though you're 26. Look like you 36. Still, you still act like you're six. Well, so, yeah, I turn 26, I look 36, and act like I'm six. That's a good point, yeah. There's that's too much sixes. Complex individual. So, uh, let's 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 talk about the game that we're going to be in attendance for. Um, and let's talk about the keys that we're going to be watching for in this game. And I think you, you mentioned it, and, and if you watch these games over the last couple of years, it, it makes perfect sense. Carolina's got to win the battle on the line of scrimmage. And look, I understand this is easier said than done. This is a veteran group. These are guys that more than likely you will see multiple. A a, a majority of these names will be NFL guys. Mm -hmm. But Carolina's got to find a way to win the battle there. Because the last two years, you could say whatever you want. Look Look at how much Carolina's offensive line struggled throughout all of last year. They battled hard with yep. Notre Dame in that game in South Bend. So Carolina is capable of doing this. And in order to win this game, this group, which I think has performed better overall than a year ago, and this defensive line group, which we have said we said all offseason, is as talented, maybe the most talented unit on the entire team. They have to show up. They have to win this battle if they want to win this game on Saturday. Yeah, and I, I, I think I trust the offensive line to do their part more than this defensive line because this defensive line is. I mean, just you're been, right, man. It's just been lifeless. Um, I think getting Miles Murphy back will help. You need Cayman Rucker. You need Javari Ritzy to keep doing what they're doing. But it's time for Des Evans to do something and 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 be the player he's capable of being because, and I think this will be something we'll know very early with that defensive line. If Notre Dame gets the ball in their first or second drive, they run the ball down Carolina's throat, I think we know what kind of game we're in. Mm-hmm. We're in four. So, um, but, yep, yeah, if, if I mean, I know you hear it every Saturday when Kirk Herbstreit talks about a big game, but it usually does come down to the line of scrimmage. We're going we're gonna to learn just how far Carolina's come on both sides of the ball up front in the trenches. And if they have progressed like we think, like, like, like we think they have and like Mac Brown has told us that they have, I think Carolina has their best chance to beat Notre Dame for the first time since 2008. One of the things that Carolina also has to do, they have to limit the penalties. Look, they did it on the road at Georgia State. Big reason why they won that game, because Georgia State was the undisciplined team. Carolina stayed disciplined. And look, that's that's a good sign, because they came off of a week. Look, they, did, they were really good in the opener against Florida A&M. And they were horrible against App State. It seems like just about everything in that App State game, outside of the of the scoring ability, yeah. was a little rough. But in order to win this game against a team like Notre Dame, you have to be able to limit the penalties. And here's the other thing. Look, even if you're in the lead, do not give them opportunities to get back in the game. And I forget, I saw, I think it was Michael Coe of WCHL that tweeted out the stat of 
how many third, how many first downs Carolina has allowed due to penalty. I believe it is six, which is I I got to be up there the near the top worth in the country. That's just that cannot happen in this game, especially if the offense for Notre Dame is struggling that bad. Be smart in this game because if you are, I think you have more than a good chance to win this one. Yeah, and and, and so look, Carolina, we got to be disciplined. Mm-hmm. You know, we we can't. You know, whether it's the stupid false starts, whatever the penalties defensively, especially, it always feels like it's on third down. And you didn't write this down as the key to the game, so I'll just kind of implore on this here. We've got to make, and Mac Brown said this today, he think this this might be the best environment he's been a part of since he came back. We've got to bring it on Saturday. We've got to make Keenan a very loud place and force Notre Dame into false start penalties and to making those mistakes because I think we've seen since we've come out of the COVID era just how important fan bases are and how much of an impact they do have, especially in college athletics. And so we we need to make this place really hard. When Notre Dame's got the ball, we need to be loud for all three downs. We need to be cheering. We need to do every little thing because, you know, those 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 little things, they, they really do matter. And, you know, Carolina, they come out and, and they commit eight penalties, that could be enough to keep a bad team around. Mm-hmm. And right now, Notre Dame's a bad football team. If you come out and you commit two or three penalties and they commit eight penalties, it's going to go the other way. It's going to make it more likely for you to beat them. So, um, it's, look, they've had two weeks. There should be no reason that communication and all stuff isn't where it needs to be on the offensive line. Defense, you know, just if, if you can't make a play, you know, sometimes it, you know, sometimes I don't mind you committing a penalty, but we just got to make sure when we do them, we're committing the smart well, penalties, not well, the dumb no, ones. Th- that's the thing. I don't remember one so far this year that, I mean, there was maybe one. There was one that Legend Cavazos had on the outside where it looked like he was beat against App State. It was legendary. Other than that, like, I don't I don't remember any other ones that were really, okay, That's that makes sense. You had to do, you, that. you made a play. You had to make that play. It, it's just, that's what you've got to avoid in this game. You're right. And then... I think the other one is, and, and we I talked about this earlier with Phil Longo's game plan, Carolina's got to execute the scoring opportunities that they have in this game. Yep. You've, got, you've done it so far. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. We have talked about the red zone struggles of Phil Longo so far this year. Every red zone opportunity that they have had this year, they have not only scored on, they have scored a touchdown on. So, I, I, look, I, I know that's not going to remain perfect throughout the season, but Carolina needs to capitalize on the opportunities that they have to score in this game. And if they do, the more point. Look, I, I didn't want to put this as a key to the game, but the more points that you can score in this game, the better. Hey, you want to come out and put up fifty? That's great, fine. That's a great analysis. Run away from them because this is a team that is. I, I do not think can match you point for point, but at the same time. This is a Notre Dame defense that is more than capable of slowing you down at times during the game for longer stretches than even Georgia State did, especially App State and Florida A&M. So Carolina, when they have those scoring chances, you got to capitalize. Yeah, this isn't this isn't a game where if you have four trips to the red zone, you can't be settling for field goals. Like you, you you've got to convert, and you and you got to convert with tutties. And look, some of this has been that Mac Brown's been more aggressive. He's more willing to go forward on fourth down inside the red zone because he trusts that offensive line to get the push up front. 
he trusts Drake May to make the right play or two. But that was that was kind of what beat them last year, and that's what really killed them um, two years ago in Keenan Stadium, and then even seven years ago with Marquise Williams up in South Bend was you had to settle for too many field goals and they come back to bite you in the butt. So six is more than three. I know that. And if Carolina Great has math, if Carolina has more of those scoring plays on Saturday and they push this number into the high twenties, low thirties, I don't see Notre Dame being able to score enough to keep up with them. All right, it's your birthday, buddy, so I'm going to let you go ahead and give your prediction first for this game against Notre Dame. Well, if you remember back when we did our bold predictions, at the time this was a bold prediction that I had because Notre Dame was a preseason top five team. Not so not so bold. Now. And um, I did predict they were going to go play Ohio State really tough, and they did, and then they, they lost to Marshall, so that didn't did really mean a Did you predict that as well? Yeah, I did. Oh, of course, yeah. And... Um, so I'm I'm am sticking with Carolina. I don't see. First off, they know it's my birthday, and they don't want to let me down because that's what's ultimately the most important thing. I'm here. sure. I'm sure that's it. Well, if if my birthday isn't on the board, our friendship's terminated, and I'm quitting the pod. Uh, I'm gonna let you in on a hint here. It is not. It's not. Gonna you still have time. Um, I don't. I don't think so. I think those are submitted already. So, I'm picking Carolina. And this is the last time I have any any trust and faith this defense actually nuts up and plays. I have UNC okay. twenty eight seventeen. This, wow. They I don't I don't think they should give up more than twenty points to this offense. And I think as much as that as much as that offense will be off the field, we'll be able to wear down Notre Dame's defense to where maybe it's the second half where we pull away for a double digit win. I think Carolina wins. And it's it's a statement of some sorts that this team is is back. It's headed in the right direction under Mac Brown and and Drake May solidifies all the hype he's gotten through the first month of the season. I I, I agree with you to a certain extent. Um, I you know I I'm the look I'm the dude that's usually the most positive one on this podcast. There's no secret about that. Um, I don't I don't trust this defense. I do not. I think Carolina wins this game. I think it's because of Drake May and this offense. I know this defense is talented that they're facing on the other side. This defense was talented a year ago as well with a what I think is a worse offensive line. Um, you could debate the running game. I think it's, you know, I mean, look, you had Ty Chandler a year ago, but I think the trio that you have this year may be a little bit stronger overall. And your wide receiving core much better than the one you went on the road with last year and you still almost found a way to win so I trust this offense to get it done this defense I think is going to keep this game close and I'm not look it's not going to be some insane game points wise but I got Carolina 35-27 I have to see this defense prove it to me before I can believe it and again I don't I think it is, and we can dive into this as much as we want, but I think that it is less about the players and it is more about the position coaches. And I, if they, if they prove it to me, then great. Then maybe there is a reason to feel confident moving forward. But I think this will be a lot like the Georgia State game. I think Carolina will come up with stops when they have to, but there will be a period of time where – Notre Dame's offense will be able to move the ball up and down the field for a for a couple of drives, and it will leave us kind of scratching our heads. 
But I think Carolina gets it done because of that offense. I think Drake May has a another big game. Maybe, I mean, it's not going to rival the game that he had against App State, but I think he's going to put up a really, really strong performance that people that understand what this game means and how good Notre Dame really is, they're not defined by that loss to Marshall. I think people will respect it, and I think you'll see these young skill position players once again play extremely well for Carolina. I have them going 4-0 for the first time since 1990. Seven. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Guys, make sure you head over to the website. Check out all the coverage that we're going to have for this weekend's game. We're going to have that preview, recap, stock report, trench report, Ashton's analysis. And then, of course, by that time, it'll be into the next week where we will have the press conference takeaways. We'll have probably, as who as has become a norm so far early this season, an injury update. We'll have all that on the website for you guys uh, throughout this week. Also, basketball side of things, uh, it is getting closer and closer to practice. So it's already here, man. It is. It is right there. Um, so uh, I know that Josh is going to have a couple of great features that'll be coming up for you. Ashton as well is going to be adding to that as well. So make sure that you guys are keeping an eye on the website as uh, Toriel basketball gets ready to get cranked up for what might be the most exciting season of Tar Heel basketball since that 2017 season. 2018. You know what? 2018. That's right. Uh, but uh, it's going to be an exciting one. No doubt about it. And we've got you covered over there on the website. So, uh, once again, that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. want to thank Josh for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels! Hey guys, Anthony here. We want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.